Hello and welcome to the Blueprint Podcast powered by eFuse. The Blueprint creates content around the do's and don'ts of collegiate and scholastic esports while keeping our audience informed on the facts of the space. We aim to give people in the ecosystem a platform to air out misconceptions, call out bad practices, or just have a soapbox to stand on to discuss whatever is important to them. I am your host, Andy Mendez, and today with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael Viesness, and special guest, Anthony Scala, Chief of Staff at Esports Foundry. Welcome to The Blueprint. such a good intro too it's such a good track um anthony thank you so much for uh joining us today how are you doing first off i'm doing i'm doing well i'm doing well thanks for having me today andy mike thank you for being on mike how are you doing today you know i'm doing pretty well especially since there's been a voice given to twitter called the voice a voice for (laughs) yeah, <laughs> and it's it's a voice, and it looks like there's another collegiate esports or intercollegiate esports gate that just keeping us from giving info out, Andy. And well, it just it's just what I'm dealing with today. It's a good thing that the good folks at Efuse make sure that this is for free and <laughs> that we can give out our info for free. Um, hopefully, building out the uh, the ecosystem as a whole. Anthony, speaking of which, you're involved in the ecosystem, as we mentioned at the uh, head of the show. You're with Esports Foundry as a chief of staff. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you know, like many roles within the the industry and ecosystem at this point, it is something that wears many hats. So a lot of what I do, though, is work at the top of, a you know, kind of the umbrella of what is the Esports Foundry. And then we have a myriad of companies within our portfolio. And essentially what I'm there to do is help clear what I would say is a lot of the debris for people in their day-to-days and, and within kind of you know working out their more macro goals um within their roles right so a lot of us that have come through esports in any capacity whether it's collegiate high school pro side whatever it might be right we're all dealing with a significant amount of work and and within that comes usually not clean processes and a lack of documentation and hundreds of other things that inevitably slow you down more um so kind of what my job is is to help build those processes build those documentation build everything essentially just to make people able to work and excel in what they really do and free them up so they can focus and drive the most results. Very nice. That's, that sounds like an excellent opportunity for you. It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot, Andy. It's a lot. I would say so. As we're talking through this, I was like, Oh wow, that's, that's a lot of information. Uh, it's a little bit but, self-reflective, no, right? That's good. <laughs> as yeah, you're able well, to like say it out loud. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I know I know both of you guys, you know, you, you do the same kind of stuff though, right? Like working in, you know, previous director types roles and everything else too. Like you yeah. just, <laughs> you just people ask what you do and you start saying it and you're like, Oh, that's uh that's a bit of information, wasn't it? It's let funny me, that you try mentioned to boil that. it out, you know, yeah. And not not a single person in the industry I feel like that I've spoken to has ever just worn one hat. Like, yes, my job is talent acquisition. And that's all I do. No, absolutely not. You like usually there's like a multifaceted part of their role. That's like they're also managing some group of people or some interns or like you're mentioning as a chief of staff, you're making sure that everyone's meeting their macro goals. But also, you know, 
making sure that the company is running smoothly in general, right? I would consider that role as an almost like an administrator, right? If, if I don't get me wrong, but yeah, no, to to a degree for sure. Like it, I work in tandem with our investors and and the other you know directors or executives right. that we work alongside, and pretty much whatever it is, like there's there's so many things that you know anyone who's been in a a leadership position with a any type of business really, like they'll tell you they get dragged into so many meetings or so many things that can be streamlined or rather it's people that want to, you know, people always want to be presented with a solution for the problem in advance rather than they have to solve for the problem themselves. Right. Especially Ooh. when you're an executive, you have yeah. so many other things going on in your day to day. Like it, it slows you down in unbelievable ways. And so that's kind of what that role is at a high level is bringing this, you know, identifying the problems before they have to know about it, but also then delivering the solutions hand in hand with it. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, speaking of, of kind of like those multifaceted roles, I think you, you have been a part of many things within the esports industry. Um, but I remember when I, when I first met you, um, you had mentioned that uh, if you were to move on like in, in your career, it wouldn't necessarily have to be within esports. And that stuck to me a lot because a lot of the people that I meet within the industry want to stay within the industry. And they're very, very much um, wanting to stay within like, you know, you can you can expand from esports to just gaming in general, um, but I feel like when you when you look at uh, things that you want to do, Anthony, you're almost platform agnostic, right? You want to kind of continue your growth at whatever company you think that will make you fit within well, and if it's esports related, then it's kind of a plus. Okay, I mean, yeah. I, I, hopefully, I'm not yeah. wrong in saying that. Yeah. No, 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 not 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 at all. No, you're 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 100 correct. I mean, I. I'm extremely passionate about the gaming and esports industry. I grew up in it, you know, very young age. That's kind of where I developed a lot of my early business acumen, at least, was I was fortunate enough to see my dad work his own company for a number of years within what would be the traditional gaming industry, right? A lot of Sony, Konami, yeah. Quake tournaments going That's on, like that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I, saw, I saw a lot of that firsthand. He ran his own sales company within that part of it. So I was always kind of firsthand to it. So it was a huge part of my life. Um, and so it's just one of those things that, kind of coming up and figuring out, you know, where some of those gaps that exist, I figured it that industry doesn't really matter in a lot of ways. Like the cool <laughs> thing about the esports side of, you know, the esports niche within the global gaming market is essentially that since it is still so open-ended and there's so many products that need to be developed, it's ripe for innovation and entrepreneurship more than anything. And so what this industry does lack in a lot of ways though, is once again, like that kind of traditional business cleanliness to a degree in terms of processes and, how they build products and how they take them to market and some of these other things. And so that's where, you know, to bring it back for me, I am industry agnostic. I'm more so just developmentally hungry all the time. Oh, and like so that. if I'm going to find that in esports, awesome. Like that's perfect. Like, you know, that's, that's blackjack off the draw for me because I'm super passionate about it, which makes it that much easier to, you know, keep pushing myself within it. But if the next cool opportunity for me that presents itself is in, finance awesome let's do it like you know i'm i'm working across some you know merger acquisition type stuff before and with the private equity and venture capital and like sweet maybe i can go do that in the finance sector instead so i, I think it's easy for people though to want to stay in this industry because it's exciting but yeah at the same time like leaving to going to some of those more traditional environments that have been established it helps give you the skills and the edge that you need to maybe come back to this industry in a year two years three years five years and make you know a 10x impact what you otherwise would have by not going and getting that experience when you had the chance to right and sometimes you've got to stand on on less shaky ground right in order to kind of improve yeah. yourself build yourself up more and then kind of build the industry up as you move back into it i, I really like that 
Yeah, well, and, and that's why, I mean, I think it's a little easier to go and get that development, you know, especially in your 20s or so in other industries and come back because as we talked about, people wear a lot of hats in our space, especially with some of these companies or startup organizations or as a collegiate director. And unfortunately, when you're doing that and you're working that amount and putting in those kinds of hours, the thing that usually takes a backseat for the people around you that you otherwise would be supporting is development, right? And so other traditional industries, they can, in some cases, be a little bit slower, more methodical. And that gives people a chance to really slow down and hone in on what they want to develop into and where they want to take their career and allow them to kind of re-enter in a more focused and sharpened way. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's excellent. I think um, it's, it's important to also focus on that, that development, as you mentioned, like even within our industry um, and, you know, every, every industry has its growing pains, right? I think esports is definitely experiencing those as we, as we can see on, on not only on Twitter, but just in general, Uh, you know, general media coverage of our, of our industry seems to be uh, bouncing back and forth between negative and positive. Uh, But I feel like the positives are always really focusing on like the monetary aspects, right? Which makes sense. It's a, it's an industry, Um, but the negatives are, are uh, staggering sometimes with kind of the mental health effects that some people experience, uh, like the um, kind of the long hours, the multi multi role uh, jobs, um, and you think about <laughs> collegiate in in specifically. Um, I know there was a little bit of discussion going on in the Twitterverse in regards to UT Dallas. They had just posted an esports directorship position, um, and I think the salary was uh, don't get me wrong. I believe it was forty five thousand. I think yeah, uh, yeah, forty five or forty three. Yeah, pull range. I, I think it ranged up to like fifty eight or fifty nine. It said like depending on work experience potentially, right? I thought it had a pretty big range. I think. Yeah, it, I believe that was the Ohio. Believe, oh, no, that yeah, was the Ohio one. Uh, UT oh, is only forty two. Yep. 42, which, which is kind of insane because you, you think about um, how many students are in that program and also how successful that program is. I think about UT Dallas and I think a little bit about my previous high school programs and like Naperville North comes up, for instance, Naperville North and Naperville Central. That's 300 plus students that you're managing over six different titles with 12 teams each, um, each high school. So you think about like 24 teams that you're managing with 300 plus students uh you know that's that's uh for that not to be a full-time job is already kind of staggering for high school but at least in collegiate it's a full-time position but with that forty-two thousand dollars a year you're going to be hard pressed to find someone that your your college will be really um or i should say i should say this you'll be you'll be hard pressed to find someone that is going to be happy with their salary right out the gate um so so speaking of which mike did you have i I believe you had something to add on to that oh you know when you're trying to get into, I would just say an industry, and this is what a lot of the colleges and the administrations hope for, right? Is that you're going to get somebody that's hungry, that's going to take minimum to no pay. Um, and, and the defense to that uh, for some of our peers in, in, in the industry and in the collegiate side is, well, you know, that just shows that the administration isn't focused in on esports. Um, but that doesn't justify underpaying somebody for the role that they're in. Um, and this goes into sort of what Anthony was hitting in on, on the overarching area of just esports as a whole. There's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of interest that is being generated, and there's a lot of potential recruits when it comes to college. And that which that is what gives it its validity, you know, quote unquote. But when you look underneath the hood, it's very disorganized. It's very 
high school-esque in terms of its popularity contests. And that results in people holding way too many hats, getting paid significantly under on what they should be paid for the job or jobs that they do, along with being or lack, I'm sorry, along with lacking the respect um, that they should be receiving from these institutions or for, from some of the jobs. And so I agree with Anthony, what you should kind of do is take your 20s and go into the other world, uh, you know, go into finance, go into marketing, go into the established already points of view, those, those established industries, and then come into esports later. Because right now it's, the, it's still the wild, wild west of esports. And you're going to have some companies that are going to come up to make claims that they're here to make everything fit or to be organized or to provide consulting or to kind of lay the brick or the foundation. And then it turns out once again, it's a scheme. It's to get paid. And where this is all going to in terms of the head point is that I'm just sick and tired <laughs> of seeing the fellow colleagues and directors and others in the industry that know what they're doing, have the education, have that passion coupled, and they're just not getting paid what they should be getting paid. And my question would be to you, Anthony, you know, working at EG, meeting so many directors, you know, connecting with them and um, understanding their programs and getting their students to be a part of EG, you know, what was the, um, what was the top down effect, right? The pro scene that everybody sees that you, you've made it, right? What did you kind of see from being a part of EG and how they viewed the collegiate space? And same thing with your own personal opinion on this as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no secret to this point. The pro side sees a, a value within collegiate. And I think, you know, every organization is going to probably have a little bit of a different motivation as to why they want to enter into, you know, supporting the collegiate area. Um, you know, with, with my time at EG, the, the true benefit for us was not only kind of being one of at least the pioneers that started and kicked off collegiate initiatives, right? And then, you know, we had C9 follow and TSM and other organizations started rolling out their programs, which was awesome to see. Um, but for us, you know, we were running one of the most competitive internship programs in, you know, the country at that time within esports. And some of these, you know, kids, I know you probably met a couple, Mike or Andy, but you know, unbelievably intelligent and just incredible people that Talented, yeah. are able to, yeah, just su such, such next level types of, of thinkers, honestly, like so strategic, so critical. And one of the things though, that, that we did have actually in that case, and it wasn't a super big sample size, right? It was like 20 or so and some change, but like 98% came from programs that they themselves built or had like a very large stake within. So um, why kind of just a, pause you there when you have these this this talent these students that are exceptional and they're going above and beyond and they built programs from the club level uh for the school to then acknowledge it would did you ever tell these students to say upon graduating to stay within esports and to go into collegiate esports to be a director or did you feel more or did you feel as though it was your ethical duty to kind of push them into other industries or to go to a pro org like, how would you handle that? Would, did you, did you yeah, see I, that it was no, radioactive? I, no, I, I think it was case by case, right? Okay. Like, and, and I think it is I think it is in general, like, and let's not act like there's necessarily a massive supply for full-time collegiate esports director positions on a given basis or 100%. You know, on, on a monthly period. Like, they don't pop up super periodically at the end of the day. Like, it's, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, I know Hitmarker is one of the main job boards for sourcing, but like if you use LinkedIn, for example, like even for internships, right? Like if you go and Google right now, internships, or, you know, you check the boxes for internships, you type in esports, it's like, you know, at any given point, like 0.08% of the total population posted, right? Like there's not a crazy amount of those opportunities. So that's where it's case by case. Like for some of them, they had awesome opportunities when they converted full time that they were able to stay on the pro side and usually the business functions, you know, whether it's analytics or operations or others. Um, but we did have a couple interns that were more of a computer science and data analytics and science background. And my opinion on that, and some might not share it, but my opinion on at least those types of areas is it's much better right when you graduate, go to those traditional industries, go to your Googles, go to your SaaS, you know, go go to whichever big tech company or whoever's calling your name for those areas, get that on your resume. And then you can always come back with now a wealth of knowledge from people that are doing it at such a great, you know, much grand scale compared to anything really happening within the esports frameworks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's right. It, it's situation to situation. Like some students really do want to be a director, but like I said, there's just not always an opportunity for them or it's one that, you know, what kind of expectation are we going to set to them? Right. Hey, would love for you to go be a collegiate director, but I need you to go possibly not have a job for the next six to nine months until that job pops up that you can take. Right. Like, so they have to kind of balance that. I graduated and need to probably start working as well with, okay, at what point do I, you know, kind of put pause on going to the collegiate route. So I think a lot of them will re-enter though. Yeah, I do. And I hope they do. I, I really do. Like, I think people do have a soft spot for collegiate, but I think we've also seen over the last few years, it's kind of wear and tearing on some people too. And we're seeing a lot of other people now exiting collegiate, not only for better opportunities, um, you know, with kind of more vertical mobility per se, but um, just because I also think some people that have done it for a while, like there's not always a pathway for people who have existed in this industry already for a long time to keep going up right now, um, which can be frustrating for people that always want to be going up or moving or doing something right. So it's funny that you mentioned that our our very first guest, Callum Fletcher, he, he, he talks a lot about vertical mobility. Um, and, and kind of why he made uh, such a big jump with uh, the USO outside of it being just an incredible opportunity that he could never miss. Um, but, you know, he does mention that his, his new position at, uh, you know, working at the USO um, kind of gives him that vertical mobility, right? And, and he mentions that when he first joined Illinois Wesleyan back, back then at the time, um, he mentions that he would stay, he even told them that he would stay there so long as he didn't feel like he was stuck. And um, that, that, that kind of growth <laughs> mind aspect of being able to, you know, grow in your position and not only as a director, but also just as a, as a, you know, in your professional career. Um, and you mentioned, you know, it, it's kind of a part of your, your new position, Anthony, to kind of help people like as a chief of staff, I guess, point them in the right direction as to how to kind of grow it within their, um, within their positions. Right. It, it, right. It's kind of what you kind of what yeah. you described. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean, I, I think it's a tough one too, right? Like, it, it's so challenging. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, there's a lot of directors or programs that have a horrible, you know, director to student ratio, right? It's just disproportionately oh, yeah. not in their favor. And so within that, like, development is going to skew. Like, I coached hockey for a number of years after I quit playing, and it was the same thing, right? Like, you want to focus sometimes on, you know, the three, four, or five kids that you have, maybe, maybe less sometimes that are truly dialed in and they know that they want to pursue this long-term, right? Cause that's a different type of what's got kind of hunger for what they want to do and the aspiration they have, but you still have this pool of, you know, 30 or in some cases now 60 or a hundred for some of these programs with one or two people. And you just simply can't 
broadly develop everyone in the same way, right? Like all three of us learn differently from one another. Absolutely. All of us, yep. all of us are, are seeking a different motivator right now in terms of like what we're aspiring to be or want or whatever. And so to think that one or two people can singularly program development across, I think is <laughs> absurd, right? And, and I think though that within that, like there's other challenges now that present themselves, like, and everything does to your guys' point have some barriers to it. Like it's tough to find that developmental experience, right? Cause going back to the intern side of the kids we brought on, like, and, and it was my hiring process that I owned. So I probably had some bias there in terms of what I was looking for, but you know, I was looking for people that had built programs, they had failed or tried it. Like, I just wanted people that had done stuff that had put themselves out there and whatever. And so I think that's where kind of the other challenges for some of these programs that do have full-time staff members, it's hard to delegate, you know, certain tasks out because you have to own them as a full-time employee now. Whereas these students that built programs, they had to own these tasks and do these things. Um, and so it's just kind of this weird, I think, dynamic that a lot of people haven't spoken about in some cases, but I do think that those students that are able to still build their own programs that don't have the full-time director in place yet, like that is a huge benefit for quickly trying to get experience and break into. Well, how, how do you think uh, that a student, let's say, you know, or an individual who's listening in on the podcast, you as a hiring manager, have probably seen a couple of resumes of students that or, or you know, at least someone that's looking to acquire them into the, into your program. Uh, and by the way, we keep mentioning EG, that is Evil Geniuses. That's a professional organization for those who don't know, uh, for those who are not endemic or less informed. Um, just to kind of mention, kind of going back to what we were saying, if a student has that experience building out a program and wearing all of those hats, how do they best ex- express that on an esports resume? Or, or at least when they're applying to their next opportunity or maybe towards an internship, how do you think that they can best expose the recruiter to, hey, I'm uh, building something at my school that's really cool and really neat that I'm really passionate about. Here are all of the things that I've done. Uh, you know, what, what is a, a great way to condense all of that information and, and make it readable and ingest for someone who's looking for that? Yeah, I, I think from a resume perspective, like keeping it very simple, right? Like, you know, very symmetrical resume, strong kind of delineation between headers and, and your dates and other things and then your body of text that so you're explaining your work, but also be highly specific, right? Everyone loves metrics and, you know, KPIs or key, key performance indicators that you can drop into your work experience to show specificity with what you really did or achieved. Um, on the other side of it, though, what I usually do tell people, which honestly, like <laughs> applying to jobs is an art form in itself. Yes, if it you is. want to take the time to do it, which most people, myself in the past included, like sometimes you just don't want to do that. And you just press click, you know, upload file, click send. And you're like, yeah, whatever, out of sight, out of mind, maybe I'll get a call. But like to truly, truly get your resume, what I would say is game ready for, especially larger companies. Like if you want to go for the riots of the world and, you know, Activision or whoever else, these big, massive companies that get just dumped on by resumes, you have to pretty much take the job description, put it side by side with your resume. I go through and highlight anything that I consider to be a keyword term responsibility on that job description itself. Right. Cause that's the indicator of what they're hiring for and looking for in a person. And then I take that back to my resume and pretty much reprogram the whole thing to be centered around those types of words, right? Like so many words are synonymous with one another, or these phrases that we use on a resume anyway. So I would basically just re-emulate exactly what was on that job description, but on my resume through my work experience with my metrics now. Um, because that'll not only usually in some cases get you at least in the door through a keyword search if 
that's yep. how they're eliminating the first round of people applying. Right. Um, but, but I mean, honestly, like that stuff, I've seen carry people all the way to the last rounds of interviews, which in my case, like up until I got to EG, my resume was nothing impressive. Like I, I bartended through college and stuff, right? Like I didn't do anything insane. Like I got sort of lucky to even get in the door for that one. And then fortunately, I just know my way around interviews and talking with people and networking. And I, you know, dominated that. And I also... I will say taking a step further on a career like prep front side though, I always recommend for people like do something to stand out in the interview, right? Like what one thing that I love to do is for the EG ones even, same thing, had the job description, knew it exactly what they were going to ask me and look for. I created high level one page documents for each of the major things they were looking for. And so when I get asked these questions that I know are coming because of the job description, oh yeah, of course, great question. Let me go ahead and screen share real quick. I actually prepared something for this. Damn right. It. And now it helps you immediately stand apart because who else is doing that? I hope let me just pause notes. you. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me just pause. Like that is going above and beyond. Like that is so good. And that you need to prepare well, for your interviews. I, you it, need to prepare for your interviews. It's, 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 it's how, how badly do you want it? Right. Exactly. And much then cool. Don't, but like, if you're curious, if you want it that badly, you why would you not say that you left it all on the field? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like you, you prepared your resume. You understood what they were looking for. Again, the keyword search, but the best thing that you mentioned, and for those that are listening is in depthly researching to prepare for that interview, to get ready and going above and beyond is that screen share of that document. I think that's such a good tip for anybody that's listening. That's like, how do I get into esports? How do I get involved? Think of ways that you can set yourself to maybe two, three degrees of separation from other people. And I'm gonna tell you this right now, I don't care what game you played, okay? Like, <laughs> I, I need to know- Don't care how much you love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care how much you love it. I, I You know, you're, you're going for a marketing position. Why? What did you do? Like, display something, your goals, your, either your short-term, your long-term goal. It could be you the first month, the first three months, the first six months. Just give me something and talk intelligently about it. It can go a long way. Don't get me wrong. It's not always going to work for some hiring managers. They might look at you like you're crazy. It might hurt you. But I agree with what you said, Anthony. Leave it all on the field. Give it your best well, shot. And, and, and especially when you're on paper an underqualified yeah. candidate for a position, why wouldn't you like you you have to like and that's once again i'll say like that's i I haven't had a super long career right like most people i know you know like how old i am and whatever but most people don't i just keep it separate i don't like any of that conversation and you know it's one of those things where on paper i didn't really have anything impressive and then got into that role you know i was just beyond myself excited and whatever and did you know subjectively obviously but very well in it um for for quite some time there and and it was a good time we you know developed a lot of things built a lot of cool programs and deployed them and it's it was one of the things though like i said without that extra step there's no shot i even get past round two and then oh here (laughs) here, here's a good one here's a little behind the scenes on that one too so i simultaneously had um another offer basically like like when i got the call for that role with them and I was supposed to interview like a week and a half later. And I was like, oh, it's too long. I can't keep pushing. I can't keep pushing. And so I emailed them back, you know, EG back. I was like, hey, so excited. You know, want to make this a priority. I have another offer in hand though. Can we accelerate the timeline? And then boom, boom, boom. Like, you know, knock the interview out, knock the interview out. And it just kept moving and moving. And so I kind of, you know, forced an acceleration of timeline too, which 
if you can ever be in a position to do that, like, it's interesting. Like I always tell people you want to be interviewing when you have nothing to lose. Yeah. Like, and, and I didn't at that time, like I had one job and I loved that job and it was a great one. I was, you know, in collegiate still specifically. And then had another one already lined up and I was going to say yes. And then that came along too. And I was like, Oh, you know, what do I do? And, and so when you interview loose like that too, and like kind of, you know, take control. Cause that's what people don't realize is that whole process is just a big game of chess. Right. Especially as the person being interviewed, like, you know, every question that they're going to ask. And if you yep. don't, you really didn't put any effort into preparing because it's Absolutely. usually pretty, pretty obvious. You have an idea of what they'll ask. Like you can lead these conversations. You can do all these things to control the narrative. Like, and that's what I tell people. It's the biggest kind of just confidence booster for interviews is there's ways to clearly take the control back in that setting. Yep. still as the person being interviewed. And if you can learn how to start doing that, it, takes all of the pressure off of that entire process. And, that, and that's all excellent advice. I, I think the it's very underrated, right, to be able to go in knowing, feeling confident and also knowing what um, that, that hiring manager is going to ask you and, and kind of be prepared for that role. And, and, and like you mentioned, it all, all the effort is going to scale with how, or it should scale with how badly you want that position, right? So there are plenty of people, who, like like you mentioned, throw tons and tons of resumes at different riot positions, hoping that one of them will stick. But if you're not, uh, you know, preparing from day one, even before you fill out that that uh, uh, application, um, and then kind of further on, even if you do get a phone call back, you really need to be prepared for that interview. Let me let me just ask you a question. You know, during your time with Evil Genius, you know, you had resumes come in. What were top three like? you knew immediately you're like nope and you just passed over the resume and and i'm not saying you know they misspelled something like obviously yes those if they're making simple spelling mistakes or simple <laughs> formatting issues yeah but like what were your top three like you you were just a hard no for the resume and then a hard no during an interview um for a candidate that's that's a tough one right because like yeah like at least at EG, we had so many layers to our interview process. We had such a great team with people like, uh, you know, Ashley uh, Danktosh, who was in charge of collegiate marketing there, and who was unbelievable. She's now at Riot, and you know, Sabrina, who's still at Evil. Like there was such a strong team that was interviewing before they would usually end with myself and one of our directors of gaming there. Like it, it was one of those things that usually those resumes were pretty great by the time they got to me. And I'm not usually one to quickly disqualify a resume unless it is like seriously just poorly done like everything's inconsistent i'm not talking about spelling and grammar like i mean yeah. everything's inconsistent like one date's completely different location than the other date you're using and you have 17 different fonts and 13 different you know call like if it's just a complete mess that's usually my like okay i'm out but i'm usually pretty lenient with it because i understand that it's a thing as well that a lot of places or a lot of degree tracks don't necessarily teach people up in yeah you know like i was i was laughing when andy was talking because like I'll never forget this. I was like, oh God, dude, I don't know, 19, you know, in, in undergrad and in the college of business, all chipper and whatever. I'm like, oh, sweet, you know, it's college, whatever. And we're doing mock interviews. And I was fortunate enough to, I got signed up with like the CEO of a local um, publication company out of Ann Arbor. And I'm in, you know, I'm going in, I'm all confident, got my suit on, feeling good. And we spent 45 minutes. He didn't let me get past my elevator pitch. Wow. It, 
I got, I would get maybe, you know, three more seconds. Nope. Nope. Start over, start over. And he just kept firing me right back to the finish line. Right. Because, and, and that's, I've, I've done that with interns that I've, I've worked with before at other companies as well. Like I think those first one, you know, zero to three minutes, especially are so vital in setting the entire tone for interviews. Um, but like that experience, like, it's just one of those things, like you, you get better at the process by putting yourself through it constantly. And I always ask people, especially on a, like a job shadow perspective, that's one way to also get in is reach out to the HR department to ask if they ever offer mock interviews and stuff like that. Um, cause that's always in a, a way to kind of get in without needing to directly get in sometimes. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. 40, it was like 45 minutes. I literally didn't make it past the first, what would be two minutes of my interview. And they send me, and they send me you. home and I'm just sitting, yeah. And, and I, and I, I, I'll tell you what I was, any interview I was getting ready for, I knew I had that pitch ready. Yeah. Wow. Oof. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, but it's, it's like, it's stuff like that though, that, you know, I was so young and so wrongfully confident at that point that he, he humbled me and put me back down to reality and and it is a skill that has been amazing for me to deploy right like it's it's been what gotten me through certain areas or into other positions like and i used to do technical recruiting before all the esports stuff full-time too you know so i've looked at way too many resumes but <laughs> that was still probably the best thing i've ever had anyone kind of do for me from an interview perspective was just absolutely obliterate my elevator pitch for like 45 minutes straight <laughs> you know and he told me and he was like he's like listen dude he's like the guy i talked to before this like he just told me a story about how his family migrated here from his dad working 14 hour days in fields and you know he's the first of his family to go to college and then he you know became an amputee and like he's this crazy story and i'm sitting here I'm like i can literally never compete with this story ever in my life no matter <laughs> what i've been fortunate i can't do it and so that was the whole thing. He's like, but you, you have to find a way to is the thing. Yeah. And so it was, it was a challenge. It was, but that two minutes sets the entire tone for usually whether or not you're at least winning that person over on a person to person basis. You might not get to the next round. You might not get the job, but those two minutes can immediately connect you to the person interviewing you. I mean, it, so it just people, like, don't, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it is, it's the story. It, yeah. it's it's everything that you do i think is in in esports just i'm just gonna bring it back to esports is storytelling you know what what is something that you can really hook you know your administration administrators to believe in you to get that program off the ground to partners or sponsors that you're kind of looking for um to even getting a recruit to come to your your institution it is that elevator pitch getting them to believe, feel, and and be compelled by the story that you're presenting and with the experience that you have, um, you know, and to the same beat, Anthony, you might not get every recruit. Yeah, you might not get every job. Uh, you might not even be able to convince all those administrators, but you have to get in the habit of storytelling. So why don't we start with the interview process? And I think that's a really... I mean, I haven't been brutally blasted like you. Oh, dude, it was but... it was vicious. Like, I I still see like their company logo pop up on my LinkedIn. And I think I twitch a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, don't don't. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, I have my story. Right, you know, it was it was insane, but it was it was so beneficial. I think that that's that's so much value. I think that, that you just condense into fifteen or twenty minutes of conversation that like. I, I hope that a lot of our listeners take package up 
and bring with them for the rest of their professional career. Um, because that, that I think alone will set a lot of people, uh, how do you say this? Um, set them apart from, from a lot of the, the sea of resumes that come through. Um, and, and it sounds believe, like, Oh, sure. Go ahead. I believe Fletcher brought this up during the very first episode too. You know, this will help you set the pace. If the interview is going well to ask for that price that you deserve. You know, not to be to be undercut because you're selling yourself the story, you're selling the experience, you're selling the full package, you were prepared for that interview. It gives you the power to ask for that salary price because, you know, you see the range of like 42 to 58. I'm going to tell you this right now. Most likely every hiring manager is going to give you the 42. <laughs> so well, the range, ranges are bad. Yeah, stay away so, from ranges. so yeah. well, yeah, stay away from ranges. But I'm saying if you come in prepared, and you could go and shoot your shoot your shot for that 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 end of range or even be above that if you really outline it well enough and display that you're ready to jump in the job and ready to go now it might not work all the time and certain businesses are not going to give you that range at all <laughs> so you know uh buyer beware yeah, yeah well and and that kind of like sat like do, do i think a lot of these positions are collectively and generally underpaid for what these director roles entail like yes absolutely like no question there right i think it should be more than what it is in some cases i will say i don't like the extreme though if people if and when people compare it to like you know should be compensation and tune of what you know harbaugh makes at u of m for football right now and my only reason being there like the ncaa football industry brings in you know 15x what esports in our niche within does so i think it'll come with time um but i also think too like it's I was in a fortunate position early in my career that I really also didn't care about compensation. I pretty much told recruiters, like, if it's enough to let me live in your city, I'm good with it for now. And I was fortunate enough as well that I was able and willing and eager to relocate literally anywhere that wasn't the area <laughs> I grew up in. <laughs> you know, so like- in, Ready to get out of town. Just, I mean, yeah, oh, so ready, right? Like I, I always tell people I'm from Michigan. Like jokingly, I'm like, I would pretty much live in 49 other states at this point. Well, like 48. There's, like, I don't know if I could settle in like 47. All right. I don't know if I could do Montana or Wyoming. No offense. But driving through those when I relocated to Seattle, brutal. Brutal. But people love it. And that's cool. Uh, but like those two things let me, let, let me even have the ability to jump from a who knows from where and what in Michigan to Seattle real quick for a year with EG before now jumping back and like we said, I work with Esports Foundry, and I've been doing a lot of work with community as well, you know, nonprofit out in Atlanta, and just been having a, a great time and been able to gain so much experience by willing to be open to do that. But that's where it depends. You know, everyone's got a different situation and everything else, too. But, like, if you are somebody who can be open for both of those things early on, like, that is a huge advantage. Absolutely. I, th I think that's and, – and, and when do you communicate uh, that with a recruiter? You do that like first, oh, first. Dude, I, I have that, I have that like bold, like front facing on my resume. I'm like, relocate me literally anywhere. I'm like, I don't <laughs> care where you put me, I'll go, you know? And then like when the compensation conversation comes around though, that's why I said, I don't like ranges. I don't like having to ever provide a range. I never do yeah. that same reason. Usually like some employers are getting better about, they don't really care. They're just curious what you say. And then their number obliterates anything you would have asked for anyway. So it's a great win. Yeah. Um, but also as a tip for people like that's just where you start to ask more about, Oh, you know, before I provide you a range, tell me more about the benefits, you know, what's the vacation look like any 401k or, you know, retirement matching 
what does that vesting period look right? like? Ask other probing questions, and it's kind of just a game of stalemate between you and the HR person until one of you says a number. And generally speaking, like I've, I've experienced a lot of cases where they just eventually say it because they're tired of answering questions about benefits. So yeah, tired of being around the bush. Yeah, yeah. We get to we cut to the chase here. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, I have another interview anyway. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's all really solid advice, Anthony. That was uh, that's, that's amazing. And um, I'm hoping again, like people in collegiate will will benefit from this because, um, you know, we we see it more often than not. You know, we the the popular thing to talk about is, of course, the the price ranges or the uh, salary ranges of a lot of these directors. But also, you know, you mentioned, uh, 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 gosh, I'm like my mind just blanked. Uh, hold on, where where am I going with this? Uh, benefits, yeah, 401k, healthcare. You know, yeah. I I feel like um. My my initial thought was that well you're working for a college so most most colleges and you know a lot of professors are, are really big about you know having those benefits and whatnot but I I've surprisingly and unfortunately heard a lot of directors don't have those benefit packages that are most commonly seen in in universities um, so I think that that's that's also a really important thing to keep in mind and even even when you're young having health insurance is, is a huge deal um, oh, yeah. and, and please, you know, try to try, don't sell yourself short from, from those kind of packages. Um, yeah. I, I would think, I would think that that's an important part to talk about, especially with your HR individual once, uh, once you're kind of in the door. Mike, did you have any other, any other thoughts? I mean, we're bringing, we're bringing up the health packages and it just, makes, I know, I know. It just, just makes, too, it's just too invigorating, Mike. It's it just, it, well, <laughs> yeah, it's too, it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, exactly. Almost too much to handle. You know, we got to cool it on the benefit talk. Uh, yeah, we, we do. Be excited, Michael. We, 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 we do because like, I'm willing to look, you know, I'm going to go through these, these, um, <laughs> these job openings and I'm, I'm willing to bet that most of them don't have any benefits. Sad yeah, to say. I mean, you, you never know. You never know, man. Like it's, I think it's always worth it. Like I said, best time to ever look for a job is when you have one. Oh yes. A hundred percent. And again, I like to just play, uh, the negative Nancy here and we're, you know, if they're willing, if they're willing to undercut you in salary, they're probably not going to give you the bennies, <laughs> but I agree to, if you're trying to avoid the number and the number that has not been flashed, uh, you get to play a little game called chicken, um, with the HR department. Uh, and as you guys have already said, make them say it first. <laughs> yeah. I, so I know we talked, we talked recruiting already from like a career perspective question for you guys though. Cause I think you two are probably much more at least day to day still at this point ingrained within, you know, just collegiate than, than I am. I still keep a, a healthy pulse. We'll say through a lot of the work that I'm already doing with, you know, some of our team members and stuff at, at Esports Foundry and other areas. But if you were a college director right now, what title would you be looking to recruit for? Ooh, that's a good question. And why? Oh my gosh! I, or or, this, I think or what? Is, or what? Or who would you be looking to recruit, and why? Anthony, first of all, I just want to say I love this. This is, I think, the first time a, a guest has asked us a question on the Not podcast. Comfortable. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very, very much thinking. So, so we're thinking Except about brothers. I'm playing back. I'm interviewing you now. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're talking about esports titles and 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 who would I, mm -hmm. what what game? Or like I said, just about? like what? Yeah, what what would you make like the focal point of your pro your program to try to you know, recruit students in right now. Uh, so well, I, I like that question better a lot because I, I have kind of an, a good in answer for that. So Mike, I'll let you go first and then I'll, I'll crap. I was going to be like, no, I need to take it. Oh, okay. Right no, now, I'll but, take uh, it. I'll take it. I'll take uh, it. So, okay. Okay. So, so it's funny because, so for, as far as titles are concerned, 
um you yeah. know if, if it was just strictly talking about games i would love to have um i, I think don't you say it look 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 don't you say it ideally right i and i don't know how the game is going to launch because the game hasn't launched yet but i would love to field a top tier halo infinite team okay just, oh, let me just say that, he right? said it. selfishly okay i'm a big halo guy <laughs> Uh, but no, okay. but I think, but I think as as like a as like a program standpoint, in in all fair fairness and legitimacy, um, mm-hmm. as much as I love to hate on Riot Games, I think League of Legends is one of the biggest collegiate esports around um, right now, and I think that it's important to have a presence in League of Legends, um, especially with uh, CLOL now expanding uh, to other partner conferences, so you could potentially play in your mirror your school's athletic conference to play into. Uh, a, a national seal bracket uh, in due time. So I, I personally, I think uh, League of Legends holds a lot of value in collegiate right now. I don't know how long that will last. I mean, even Valorant, it holds a lot of value, I think. Uh, it will hold a lot of value in the next few years, too. Um, but and then I think about, uh, you know, the, the, my next two would be uh, the wonderful folks at, at College Carball and Ro- just Rocket League, Psionics in general, that there is a go. so such a huge industry. I didn't even realize that it, but like it, it, like the the way that Psionics uh like props up their not only their professional scene but their collegiate scene, um, it's just amazing. So I would love to have a team that supports that. But if we were getting away from the games and I could just recruit students that I wanted to recruit, um, I would love to have someone focused in on, um, I, I suppose a, a a club president role. Uh, and the reason why I would say that is because there's two aspects to every collegiate program um, that are, I think, equally as important, right? You've got your competitive organization, right, that you're trying to run, but also you have the community that you have to serve on campus. And oftentimes, uh, that community goes overlooked. People don't realize that even at these smaller colleges, like I can speak from experience at Heartland Community College in, in Normal, Illinois, um, our our team consists of you know a, a very small portion of the gaming community on campus, and if you can tap into that gaming community successfully as a program, your admin will appreciate your the program that you're building more. And so I would like to model my potential in theor- theoretical collegiate program after NIU's, um, because NIU they have someone who's focused on esports but they also have a club president and his job is to essentially the the club operations for everything that is not a a competitive team. And I think that's so important because when you have someone dedicated and and I would have them on scholarship to do that. um, I, I I think that that's how you grow as a, especially as a big university as NIU is concerned, you grow that gaming community and there's no reason why, like, the Illini, Illini Esports page, I don't know if you, you saw the, the University of Illinois, they posted that they hosted a world viewing party. They had 290-plus students sit there and watch that. Worlds. Yeah. Yep. And, and their club, their, their team is, is, is pretty successful, but they have no full-time director or even part-time director. They have no one dedicated to directorship and <laughs> on staff at Illini, but that program is just bustling with just – young minds that are ready to just expand the industry and there are 200 plus esports league of legends fans not just esports fans, league of legends fans on campus that are willing to show up at seven in the morning to watch Worlds. right place right time so right gonna, so, so i i just really think that it, just to kind of wrap up my section i think i would have 
I would prioritize a student that I would be able to bring in on scholarship to be a club president and handle that community aspect because that is what grows your community and that's what kind of that's a, that should be the foundation of a good program and then kind of focus on as a director focus a lot on the the competitive teams you know and finding coaches for those and whatnot well, like I've told you before, Andy, you know, just just get ready to hire all of us because you know he's just gonna lead, he's gonna <laughs> lead the way. You know, he's 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 so ready. Um, if I were to go back in it, you know, being being here at GG Leagues, having the opportunity um, to meet with park and recreational departments, uh, serving all three age demographics um, from elementary school to middle school that goes into high school that goes into just you know recently graduated high school. Um, so that's anywhere from 8 to 12, 13 to 18 to 18 plus. Um, having the ability to connect and work with over 350 um, plus recreational departments nationwide. Um, the game that I would first go with uh, is not Halo. <laughs> it, uh, it would why, be, I don't see why not. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it, it would be Rocket League. Um, it is something that children nationally are playing. It has a healthy, um, a healthy recruitment pool that is coming from uh, anywhere from er early uh, middle school all the way to late, uh, late high school um, for, for years to come, which, which is really good. Uh, League of Legends doesn't have that uh, health check. They actually have damaged it uh, with their relationship with Play Versus and the way that Play Versus has handled themselves in all forms of social media and the ways that they connect um, with high schools throughout the nation. Um, so I would start with Rocket League. Um, Rocket League is a great way to connect with the communities that are around you. Um, additionally, things that I've learned is, and I don't see directors always doing this, is building relationships with your community that you're at. It isn't hard to get on the phone and talk to the park departments, um, it, the recreational departments, the community centers, to have those community members frequent your facility. You know, this is a good way to start the conversation and to just build a, a base around your college to put those roots in and to just naturally be able to survive. Um, my second game would, unfortunately, it's still going to be League of Legends, even though I just damned it. Um, it. It's just a powerhouse in college. There's a lot of money in it. There's a lot of media in it. There's a lot of nor notoriety in it. And so I, I would have that. That would still be my second title uh, that I would kind of build into and, and have. Uh, the third title, funny enough to oh, say three this. three title program. Yes, three titles. My third title, because I'm going to keep this short because I don't want to go on. Um, it, it's a flip between either Call of Duty and Valorant. And Call of Duty, reason being, is it still holds hand in hand, similarly to Rocket League, funny enough. Hmm. Um, a lot of inner city children are playing that and prefer that game along with fighting games and the fighting genre. Um, it's easier for kids within the high school demographic to own, pick up, and play, even though they have to purchase that um, over Valorant. Um, Valorant, I'm still waiting I think to kind of just solidify a little bit more. Um, so I would keep that as my unofficial fourth on the back burner um, to just kind of wait and see. Uh, but I would have a fighter as well that I'd be looking into. Uh, Andy also hit on the importance of a student executive board, sort of. He lightly touched on that. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's something that I kind of fought for during my time at RU. It's 100% needed. 
It's a hundred percent needed and guaranteed um, that you should, or guaranteed that I would have as it'll help you foster relationships with others within your student body to have them connected within what you're trying to do as a director, what your teams are trying to accomplish um, and what your players are, are setting out to, to go and do and, and achieve and believe in, to give them the notoriety and to have them build out networks through other departments as well um, throughout the school's ecosystem. What I would try to do is slim that to about maybe two, three roles. I'd have a club president, I'd have a treasurer, I'd have a vice president. I would try uh, to work with the administration to have that be scholarship positions um, as well. And that would go on for all four, uh, all four years. Um, and then I would have positions underneath that that would be ran, uh, that would be elected similar to any other club. Uh, the reason why I'm doing this is I want my president, vice president, and my treasurer um, to get a lot of experience based off of their major that they'd have to apply with. So it's going to have to either be finance, business management, um, something of that ilk. So that way I know from what they're learning in classes is being directly applied and in practice within the club. And so at the end of their four years, they have four years of worthwhile experience running the club that is a part of an esports um, team that is uh, through the actual college itself. And through those four years, they effectively applied their majors and minors. Um, the club would uh, be a way for me to have a litmus test as well for games that my student body is interested in and games that the community might be interested yep, in that's, that's too. Part of it. That I, yep, that I don't know oh, yeah. of or unaware of. Um, you always have to be fluid and evolving. And that is the purpose of the club. Uh, well, one of the purposes of the club. So hopefully I answered that question. I feel like I went yeah. on a longer tangent yeah. than Andy did. <laughs> well, here, I'll, and I'll, I'll sprint you mine, right? So like if I have to choose three, I'm going to go with, so I'm going to say high, high proven viability, pending will hit viability and just a damn good time with the community. And it's a, it's a great, you know, it's a great one to introduce. I think in a lot of ways without, you know, developer restrictions, but I'd go rocket league, Valorant, yep. mash. Ooh. That's, that's huge. those three yeah. without a doubt because i think also where people underrated like I, I think people have a lot of you know sort of paralysis when it comes to overtaking people that are you know running like the super smash local scenes right or regional scenes and stuff like in a lot of cases these tournament organizers that have existed for a long time were just the first movers right yeah. they don't necessarily have a superior product to what some of these incredible students at these colleges can create so i think that's where smash is the interesting one for me of yes, like we know how the developer is when it comes to certain things within that domain and competitive use and IP and all this other stuff for sure. But I think that's one that you can simultaneously piggyback that community need. And you can actually be the one that as a school is sort of recognized, right? Like create a separate entity, so to speak, like a dotted line from your esports program yeah. outside is like a local group as an organizer. And you can basically be the one that spearhead that and then that funnels back not only as a recruiting tool likely, but it's also a you know potential revenue stream for your program if you want to drive it that way. Or on the other side, it's just a great way to get everyone else involved in something if you want it to be more high quality than it is. Um, so those are my three. But I think, Mike, you know, I maybe have talked about this. I still don't know why more programs don't, especially ones that are, I'll say, harder to sell as a, a school, right? Like in terms of maybe they're just super high tuition. They're sort of a niche university in general. Like it's, it's tougher, right? Like it, it's tough to sell that product sometimes. Um, I don't know why in general, though, more programs aren't like quadrupling down right now into 
creating stream teams, content creator programs, and other things more within that vein, rather than like Boise. Try, yeah, well, like and Boise does it, but Boise also does it more team focused, right? Yeah. Like it's not like Boise's got a team of fifteen streamers going every other day, right? Or yeah. streaming like and, and and like and once again, they're building their own brand while simultaneously you integrate your brand, right, and et cetera. Like you cross it over, and then you convert fans across, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I, I love what they're doing from a broadcast production perspective. I think it is unbelievable, quite honestly. Like I, I had a couple jaw drops to that one, like from a production and quality perspective, because not a lot of people do it. I know there's some other programs that do some awesome things like, you know, Demick with his program and, and some others, but um, I'm talking straight up like streamers, content creators. I would put resources like it's, people like even if you look at like pro viewership for stuff right in a lot of cases like mm-hmm. more teams tend to gravitate towards players than pros or the pro orgs rather right it's more player focused than brand focused right at this point like who people because when you're competing with streamers that do stream and output 60 hours a week themselves like that's a tough uh, tough one to upkeep with right uh yeah, you, from an output perspective as, a, as an organization yeah or as a college <laughs> yeah yeah or as a college right like you might stream your games in a lot of cases inconsistently um but at least they're streaming and that's great but at the same time if you have an arsenal of 20 kids streaming you know and doing this because that's what they're most interested in too why not like that's a huge as you know if anyone saw the twitch leaks and everything else like it's a huge sector of the of the market though too is that specific corner of it for creators and influencers would you have them all streaming like on their on their own like personal twitch stream yeah why not you you gain the benefit of building brand yeah you you gain the benefit of building brand affinity it's like we're you're on scholarship with us through our program maybe simultaneously you're building up through production or broadcast or digital media program on campus to leverage those skill sets and transfer over and help build brands basically um but your organization like your college in that case is getting recognized with brand affinity if you brand on theirs like you're still getting the visibility and that's what a college really wants like a college doesn't necessarily benefit from having certain people on their stream unless they're big time streamers per se but they can still gain by having a hundred people's fans from 10 streamers that are completely unrelated to another right because usually a lot of those audiences don't transfer people find their little corner of like fandom and so now they're gaining brand affinity though across all of those different types of demographics or audiences that their people are reaching like and from a, a from a partnerships perspective or like a sales perspective gives you a lot more metrics you can brand across in theory especially if they're not big streamers that are having contracts and have their own deals lined up i may i may have to ask if i can integrate that into my program i think that's a hey man, that's an it, awesome let it, let it run let, let it, it run man i, I hope like people I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going back so <laughs> it's all, all you <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope people He's in the industry yeah, I hope I hope people listening are really taking that to heart because I think that's an excellent idea. I think that's uh, especially you mentioning like being able to leverage that a little bit into like creating more opportunities for your program if you can grab a sponsor or two here and there um that can be a part of your streaming assets that you hand out to your 5 or 10 uh, you know stream team individuals then all of a sudden you've got you know their brand gets to be shown on five, 5 to 10 different streams per week that is at the very minimum, like five to ten viewers, let's say, even if it's your own people in your own, you know, community that are watching. Right. That's how you if you grow. Well, you start and, somewhere. And, and I think it's I think it's a lot easier to draw that to an actual track or a series of courses within higher ed as well, right? Because that's something that parallels to outside working world more specifically. You're building a brand, like you're building identity. Absolutely. You're going through the process of creating social media plans and calendars and strategies and all these 
very intricate things that like when you really break it down, it there is a lot of data and science behind how these things work now more than ever. And so I think that's a huge parallel. But once again, I there's probably a couple of programs out there who do a good job of staying off of social media too, though, that are maybe doing some of this stuff. Whoever, you know, who knows really? There's always people and some cool programs tucked away until you hear about them. But yeah, that's true. Um, I I do think more should lean into it though, because I why why not? Right? Like if I'm once again a small school, it's hard to recruit there as is, and I'm maybe in a you know like I said a niche program already, and like it's a hard market. It saturates a lot of colleges. What are the yeah. odds that you're going to possibly recruit a League of Legends roster that's going to compete in the likes of the top true. twenty or fifteen? That's, like, and there's some great so league true. players. Don't get me wrong, but like, there's there's also not a lot of numbers on the side of you know at a certain like we do have a cutoff point here of you know the top echelon of players available to enter collegiate that could compete at the level as the top eight and twelve or so far you know have been these last couple of years, right? Because I know Maryville's going back and forth now, which is it's cool to see other competition emerge. But there's only so many players within like that top percent. Well, if you look at too, if collegiate, base. like Winthrop took a little bit to build up, right? And yeah, then, like, yeah. You had Harris, so did they, Dallas. Uh, Harrisburg. Yeah, yeah they, they took a little bit of time to build up, right? They weren't like, okay, we're not going to go right out of the gate. We're going to be the next Maryville. It's no, oh, they they took their time. They built their program to be successful they had a plan in mind and it led to success like you can't just go year one or day one year one we're maryville like it's no it it doesn't it doesn't well and that's like and that's people's take honestly like i've seen so many people that do you know all all they say is i'm I'm gonna have a career in esports this and that and then they don't get the job within a month and they're like nope i'm packing it up i'm done i'm never coming back you know like it's it's short-sighted yeah. is my take like this like we're in for a long haul here like we're not even close there's gonna be a lot more bumps and bruises and crazy stuff that happens between now and sustainability truthfully right because like there's not a significant amount of revenue necessarily coming in the way people think or you know the scale of profitability that some might allude to right like it's 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 a tough area like it's emerging there's a lot of things people don't know and understand fully yet it's so, like we're in for a long haul you know, this is um, one of, and, and that's why I think programs like they like don't think towards like okay, what gets me to the next three months or six? Like at that point, like go right. for the long term, right? It's like the same way you see traditional colleges or pro teams, even like they go into massive rebuilds as established organizations because they have to pivot their strategies and other things and whatever. And so I think at this point, like colleges shouldn't be discluding or discounting trying to do anything new and exciting and innovative because it's all still new. Like all the leagues basically only cater to like that top. 0.01% of the talent right now anyway, right? Like if you're fielding a club roster of 150, like you don't really have a place to play for your gold cup. Like it's all catered to the, the top epsilon already. So yeah, I think uh, this people is... should be open and expo- like open and exploring anything new still. Like Absolutely. make the gold league, make the ACHAs and stuff uh, of esports. Like the same amount of money is there. It's the same amount of visibility. And if you go pull out, you know, league or Valorant's rank distribution, like tell me where the, Majority, majority fall of players range, fall, right? This, this was one of the most informational pods we've I, had. I, I was think about to that. say, <laughs> no, I legitimately, this is the first podcast where I'm in the middle of the recording and I'm thinking, I want to go back and listen to this. And I hate listening to my own voice, but if it means I can just re understand what Anthony is like, the amount of information that he has granted us here. It's just immense. Like this is so. Are you a part of the voice then? Are you a part of the voice then, Anthony? Because like you're right, right here, (laughs) right here. I mean, this is fifteen hundred dollars annually. I was gonna say 
And listen, hey, you know what? Though, like, and I don't know what their product really is, right? Like, I've exactly. only, you know, I've, no, I've no, no, it. it's, it's all good and fun. I yeah, will, all good fun. I, you know, no, I and I know it is, and like, obviously, we know all those guys, you know, pretty much everyone, all, all the all the men and women and yeah, people on on that, you know, founding cast of the people, and obviously, you trust them on independent individual levels. But I will say, even if it is something that is as unfortunate as the certification fiasco was, which I don't think it will be, like, at least they're doing something. You know, like at least they're trying. Yeah, they're showing an a, effort to, like, to yeah, kind of build it they're, up. They're developing a solution to what everyone says is the problem. Like, right. I, it, whether it works or not, that's a different thing, right? Like, go look at any statistics around like startups or like product launches. Like, it's disproportionately no, not knocking them, but it's in general, that's just a thing, right? And so, like, but at least they're doing it. You know, people, like I said, like to be very, very much problem oriented in terms of like what they communicate and say, and rather than, you know, they're not solution focused. And so, I, I give people the benefit of the doubt until like nobody really had an issue with the charge thing for the certification until people started taking that practice exam. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, 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 some and people, the, and then people started freaking out about the practice exam. I mean, rightfully so, but like that's what people like really sent people flying on that one. Yeah, definitely. That was that was something completely. I I couldn't help but laugh. It was like taking an SAT, but like, <laughs> it was just. I mean, I, exactly, yeah, exactly. That's a whole I mean, other level. People. I love to. I mean, it's, listen. You you can't find me on socials really much these days. Like I stay off and away, and I'm just kind of behind the scenes building and doing my thing, right? So uh, you, you never know. People like to just get on Twitter and and put on the capes a little bit. I mean, every Absolutely. every day, just because I know we're we're first off, we're over our time, but every day, college esports, collegiate esports, there's a new fire. And it's always just, it's always fun. Sometimes there's confetti, sometimes there's no confetti. Um, but I, I will say in the wild, wild uh, world of esports that we live in, gentlemen, um, it's fun, it's entertaining, uh, it's educational. Um, and, and sometimes you learn on what to do better and sometimes you learn on what to avoid. Uh, but Andy, I'm going to pass it to you to wrap us up because usually yep, <laughs> you're the leading man for that and I'm the... I, I've just been so engrossed in what Anthony is having to say today that I'm just like, I don't want to end this podcast. I feel like we could, we could record another three sessions and still be talking about just incredible things. But unfortunately, yet yeah, we are coming down to our, our final moments here. Um, Anthony, something that we do for all of our guests, and I want to give you the opportunity as well. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to kind of stand on a soapbox and just, you know, as you mentioned, you're off of social media. You really don't like to get on and wear your cape and, and go on and, and type paragraphs and, and, and novels to uh, different organizations. But if there's something that you could just say that you want to convey to either our peers in collegiate or just our peers in esports in general, something, maybe even advice, anything that you would want to say, I'm going to give you 60 seconds to do that. And that's starting right now. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, just try to be as open minded as possible when it comes to people trying to come forward with new ideas or products or programs or whatever and you might find out a little bit down the road that it's entirely not feasible or not something that's actually what the you know the community really needs in essence but you know don't say no before you have a chance to dig in because we still need more innovation there's you know everything caters to kind of one audience still right now and there's a lot more to reach so don't be uh closed off or turned off by anything until you get to see a little bit and figure out if it's viable Amazing. Thank you so much Anthony, got, for, for joining us on the pod today. It's been incredible. Um, I, like I said, I am going to go back and listen to this over and over and over again, because I am just so 
engrossed in all the information that you were giving. If people wanted to reach out to you, Anthony, for any sort of reason, either opportunities or questions, how should they reach out? Uh, they should text Michael directly. No, uh, I mean, oh, I no. Act. Hey, go ahead. Give him his number. <laughs> no, 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 no. The internet to uh, you. No, no, this is awkward because it's a lose-lose because, like, I can't give his number, but I'm also, you know, it looks bad that I maybe don't know his number out of, you know, off the top of my head. So, I'm now sorry, okay. Mike. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're making it worse. No, uh, I, I stay off socials, but, I mean, you can still add me on, on LinkedIn. Um, it's fine. Or My Twitter's still active time and time again. I will, I will, you know, scroll and see some of the tea from the collegiate system and, and what they're kind of going on about that day. So Twitter as well. Feel free to DM me though, or connect with me kind of live either one there. Or like I said, if, if you know Mike or Andy, feel free to hit them up too and they'll get you connected to me. Yeah, please do. Mike, any final words before we go? You know, um, just make sure your voice is heard. Uh, but no, I, a great, great podcast here today. Make sure you guys check out uh, the blueprint out on Twitter for any of the, the releases that we're giving out along with the retweets. Uh, as we are retweeting some of our colleagues that we believe provide the best information out there overall about collegiate, uh, recreational, and professional esports. Regardless if you are a student, a player, an administrator, or coach, you can learn from the blueprint. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. Bye bye. outro music plays and then i i say oh Michael, michael's phone number starting with one eight one five oh jesus christ that's a wrap <laughs>